1: It is BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. I'm Rich Bradbury and welcome to Enterprise Explores. This is the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from headlines to the bottom line. Today we're gonna shift gears uh, to discuss a topic that's electrifying the automotive and energy sectors alike. Yes, of course, there will be terrible puns throughout the show. because um, Daniel's joining us in a little while. Electric vehicles, EVs in Malaysia. This discussion discussion comes at a pivotal time as the country grapples with the challenges and opportunities of transitioning to electric mobility, aiming to reduce carbon emissions and embrace cleaner, more sustainable transportation solutions. In light of recent developments, including the Ministry of Investment, Trade and Industry, that's Miti's reconsideration of the ambitious target to have 10,000 EV charging stations by 2025, we're going to be looking into the intricacies of Malaysia's journey towards electric vehicles adoption. With nearly 1,500 EV charging stations currently operational, the goal is to make electric mobility a practical and accessible option for Malaysians, aligning with the broader perspective and objectives of the Low Carbon Mobility Development Plan 2021-2030. to 2030. Now today, joining us are two guests who are at the forefront of this electrifying transition. I've got Daniel Fernandez, founder of the automotive website dsf.my, of course, my co-host for uh, Cruise Control, bringing with him a wealth of knowledge on the automotive industry's evolution towards electric vehicles. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, uh, Richard. Um, as always, I'm happy to be here. Excellent. And of course, I've got with me uh, Cheryl Halmi, the president of the Malaysian Electric Vehicle Owners Club. He's going to be offering us some valuable insights from the perspective of EV owners and enthusiasts here in Malaysia. Hi, Cheryl. How are you? I am good. Thank you for having me. Now, together, hopefully, we're going to explore the uh, the current state of EVs in Malaysia, some of the challenges in scaling up the infrastructure, the role of government policies and incentives and the potential impact of public-private partnerships in accelerating the adoption of electric vehicles. And I'm sure you guys at home have some opinions on this and would possibly want to ask us some questions. Feel free to do that. Get us on our U-Mobile WhatsApp number. It is 018-789-8899. Of course, you can get us on X. We are at BFM Radio. First question then, gents, and it's a Simple question with a fairly difficult answer. Where are we exactly, uh, Malaysia in particular, where do we stand in terms of electric vehicle adoption and how does this compare to our initial goals? Daniel, let's start with you first.
0: Okay, I think... um you are moving at a very reasonable rate. I think the sales are actually very good considering a lot of factors that I'm going to share later. Uh, some people are saying, oh, there's not, not enough EVs on the road. I think there are plenty of EVs on the road right now. Mm. Okay. Uh, in comparison to, you know, uh, say, Singapore and Thailand, some people are going to say, oh, they're they are much, you know, more ahead of us. Singapore is a very small country. It's easy to control them. Uh, they have very expensive COE, so it make, makes sense to uh, buy electric cars. They have very expensive petrol, so it makes sense to also, you know, get the uh, mm. cars that are petrol-free. Now, Thailand started earlier than us. Thailand has got a bigger population. Mm. Thailand has got everything more than us. Thailand has got more car factories. Plus, Thailand doesn't have the protection they need to put for two local automotive brands. Mm. Now,
1: National by, by local, you mean national, right?
0: Yes. So, you know, national automotive brands employ a large number of Malaysians. Mm. So if you take away that, that protection, you're taking away a lot of jobs. Because mm-hmm. why? If the car sales drop for these two brands, jobs are lost. So mm. it's it's a very tough call. And this was something that was started many, many years ago by another prime minister who thought that he would accelerate our automotive movement. But you see...
1: It, it didn't. It really didn't. Okay. Uh, that's going to raise a question a little bit later on, of course. Yes. Uh, why do we not have a national electric car? Yes. Something we can discuss a little bit later. I okay. Think. Yeah. So I think right
0: now, at the pace, I think it's a good pace. Plus, there's still a lot of deliveries yet to be mm. sent in. So the 10,000 odd cars, electric cars that were sold in the last one year, I think that's pretty good. Okay. Uh, what would you say, uh, Sharu?
2: well i think when richard said that our goal is uh, to reduce carbon emissions that's actually Mm. a very good point it's Mm -hmm. something that is the underlying reason why a lot of countries are shifting towards electrification unfortunately in malaysia when we set our targets and miti talks about their targets the national energy transition roadmap talks our targets there are no carbon emissions targets Mm. so how do we measure progress against something that is not declared? Mm. So point number two is that earlier last year, Mithi said that, yeah, look, EV targets. EV targets 15% TIV by 2030. TIV means the cars that are sold every year. So Mm -hmm. 15%. Last year in 2023, it was around 5-ish percent. Mm -hmm. Although the interesting bit is that when we talk about EVs, a lot of people laymen on the road. Think about battery electric vehicles, or at the very least, plug in hybrid electric vehicles, stuff, cars that you plug into the wall that mm. gets most of their energy from the grid. Mm. Mm-hmm. However, our country's definition which is to be fair consistent with the UN definition of EVs is xEV which includes hybrids that run on petrol exclusively or diesel exclusively mm-hmm. but also these mild hybrid the generator types the 48 volts the mm-hmm. Proton X90s. Mm-hmm. So these are cars that barely have a tiny battery pack. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps reduce fuel consumption, um, it helps with efficiency, but can you really categorise them as EVs because they are not plugged in? So it this also throws mud into the discussion so that we're not clear when we talk about EV charging infrastructure and yet we have 100,000x EVs in Malaysia What's that number supposed to be? Right. Right. And it creates confusion all around. Mm. Yeah. And so adding to that, (laughs) we have targets from MITI. We have targets from the uh, uh, Low Carbon Mobility Blueprint, which belongs to the Ministry of Natural Resources and Energy, um, which uses different definitions, right? And also there's confusion around EV charging bays, EV charging stations, EV charging systems. Mm. So (laughs) when you ask me, where are we today? Yeah, fairly good. Um, Last year, BEV sales 2023 was triple of that 2022 when we first started the EV incentives for passenger cars. The two-wheeler bikes, um, also pretty good, almost doubled, but they start from a very, very low base. Mm -hmm. So summary is that the incentives, the tax exemptions are working. Last year tripled. We We think that this year and next year is probably going to proceed along similar, very rapid pace, two 300 percent growth. Charging infrastructure, not so good. It grew, but only doubled when we have a tripling of the plug-in vehicles. Right. Daniel, I, I saw you pottering around on a, a small electric
1: bike not too long ago. Are you still pottering around on that thing?
0: No, no, I was test, test riding it. Um, now, I'm, I'm glad, you know, Sharon mentioned about the motorcycle market. You see, yeah, you say double, but you know, if the initial figure was five, then double yeah. is ten.
2: <laughs> totally tiny base, right? Yeah. yeah. So,
0: you know, they, they told us about, you know, the swapping batteries and everything else. So the swapping stations have not increased. Yeah. Uh, they gave some uh, ride-hailing riders, you know, I mean, uh, delivery riders to use the bikes. Uh, I actually stumbled upon two of them when I was buying food at a, at a location mm. and they mm. came along. So I talked to these guys, you know, because I'm riding my Vespa. So, mm. you know, they'll talk to a fellow motorcyclist. Right. Hey, boss, I want to take macam mana. Oh, all negative. Because why? They want to be constantly riding. They yeah. want to be constantly on the road. They can't go and find the station to swap. Now, if every petrol station... Okay, like, they were working in Petrona. So if every Petronas station, which is nearly everywhere, has a swappable battery uh, station, then fine. But these guys have to go back to the, the, the set stations and then they can only they can only make their, their money in that location. Yeah. And then, you know, when you're doing this... When you go and even when you want to swap, it takes time. Of course. It takes time. Putting petrol is very fast. Yeah. You know? So this all hinders their kind of movement. Mm. And also, there's a speed limit on these electric scooters. These guys don't want a speed limit. They want to be zooming along. Yes, they're breaking the law. (laughs) That is not us (laughs) to govern. You know what I mean? (laughs) They have to earn money and Mm. they have their reasons. So... I think uh, the scooter market has a lot more growth in it once they can get these battery swapping stations done, as promised.
1: Now, obviously, the, the reason that I've invited you to here mainly was because uh, the idea of uh, this looking at the infrastructure. You know, we, right. we don't have 10,000. Know, very yeah. unlikely that we're going to have 10,000 by yeah. the suggested dates. Right. W- where are we... in, uh, in <laughs> Are we, you're seeing doubling the number of people, uh, triple the number of people adopting. Are we seeing that the EV charging stations roll out in fast enough, though, or just not at all?
2: It's slow. Mm. Um, unfortunately, uh, what we have seen is that different areas will have different rates of deployment. For example, one of the big issues that we are starting to see as more and more people want to use their BEVs to travel outstation is along the highways. So today, for example, we have fewer than 30 locations four rapid charging stations for passenger cars above 50 kilowatts. I mean, okay, why do I say 50 kilowatts? So this is a kind of like a globally recognised standard where anything lower, 50 or lower, is just too slow for you because you don't want to be spending too long long to charge, right? You can't have three cups of coffee. 29 (laughs) locations with only 51 available bays. Entire country, country countrywide? Entire Malaysia. Wow. And (laughs) these highway charging stations are concentrated along the major travel routes between KL and JB. That's the first one that was well-developed. And to be fair, it is so good now that you can go uh, without really planning from Correct. KL to Singapore. Um, the next was KL to Penang, KL to Kedah, which is actually not too bad, still in development, but KL to the East Coast, really, there are yeah. two, mm. literally. Why do they always forget Tungano in Kelantan? Because, and this is why, um, the, the the government has clearly taken the direction of letting the EV infrastructure be led by the private sector. When it's led by the private sector, it has to be biased towards returns on investment, yeah, yeah, and also direct, uh, directly relating to that. Then is utilization. Mm. So, so you need population. You uh, need population. Yeah. You need high the utilization. There, there's population no, there.
1: I know, but you know, if you're looking at you know, the cities, right, they're all majority of them are on this side. On this it? side, correct. correct. But yep. we we like to travel to Trungano and Kuantan. Of in course, Atlanta. we do.
0: Yeah, we yes, do. but yeah. if we, if we if we have a test EV, we can't go. Mm. Nah, well, you can with difficulty. Remember I mean, that. I don't want the difficulty. <laughs> I know. I exactly. don't want the difficulty. I want it to be easy. Yep. I don't want to be traveling with my family and thinking, am I going to get the charge? Sure. And then. There have been cases even some of these charging stations are not working. Correct. Like the one in, I'm not going to mention the hotel, but there was one in a hotel which uh, a colleague of mine actually took an electric car up and he wanted to go and visit a family member in Trungano. He said, I'll go up to Kota because there's a charging station there. Then
1: come back down. (laughs) And then
0: the charging station was closed.
1: Yeah. And then he was panicking. These are things that we're going to talk about a little bit later on. Hold those thoughts, though, gents. We need to take a short break here, folks. Uh, Folks, uh, welcome to the all-new Enterprise Explorers, of course. This is the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. Today, we are discussing the current state of EVs in Malaysia, the challenges in scaling up that infrastructure, the role of government policies and incentives, and the potential impact of public-private partnerships and accelerating the adoption of electric vehicles here in Malaysia. We're going to take a short break. If you want to get in touch, get us on our U-Mobile WhatsApp number. It is 018-789-8899. Of course, we'll be right back after these messages here on BFM 89.9. Birkins for Mama, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Enterprise Explores. My name is Rich Bradbury. We are talking about the current state of EVs in Malaysia, the challenges in scaling up the infrastructure, the role of government policies and incentives, and the potential impact of public-private partnerships in accelerating the adoption of electric vehicles. If you do want to get in touch with the show, get us on our U-Mobile WhatsApp number. It i I'm speaking with Daniel Fernandez, founder of DSF.my, and Cheryl Halmy, president of the Malaysian Electric vehicle owners club we've spoken about the starting points we've had a bit of a chat about infrastructure um let's talk about incentives then a little bit because this was a big deal not too long ago daniel we're speaking all about it on uh, cruise control quite regularly Mm. um Beyond charging stations, what other incentives, and we know there's, there's tax incentives, of course, involved, or support mechanisms are in place to encourage Malaysians to choose electric vehicles over traditional ones. And I think the bigger issue to this, and I, I want to explore a bit more, is that these electric vehicles, even though they are tax free, they are only, I would argue, available to a certain demographic of, of the population, right? And if we want mass adoption, surely the price has to come down.
0: There's no more tax. Ah. So how, how much more incentives do you want? <laughs> you, want the, you want the cars to be sold at a lot? You can't do that. You know, right. the, the, the the incentive is already fantastic. The only incentive that I would ask the government to, to bring in is raise our currency.
1: <laughs> because if you raise our currency. <laughs> oh, okay, let's just do that. <laughs> yeah, simple as that. Then
0: yeah. the price of the cars will come down. Because right, right now with zero tax... Yeah. What else do you want to give? And then okay, then you have to protect the other two, the other two uh, car brands, you know, and waiting for them to come out with an electric car. Mm. Meanwhile, uh, brands like BYD, MG, SAIC, uh, Dongfeng. Uh, uh, even maybe tesla you know if they bring in a cheap electric car for example the byd seagull i was i was in in china last year looking at the byd seagull which is about the size of the old myvi you know the, yep. the 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 rather upright myvi which is a spacious vehicle three people can sit at the back it's got a little bit of a boot and everything now that vehicle if it's brought into malaysia currently with the current exchange rate and the current incentives it's about 60 to 70000 ringgit now it doesn't have a huge range because it's got a small battery. But it'll do 300, 250, 300 kilometers. That is something which the Raiyat can afford.
1: Perfect for the city.
0: Perfect. Mm. And it looks attractive. It's got great features, great cabin, fit and finish, from what I saw, was very impressive Mm. for the price. Mm. Now, they can't sell it here because you can't sell cars below 99,000 ringgit. So if you can't do that, you can't have a lower price EV. Now, we know Perdua is in talks with an Italian counterpart in terms of bringing in EV. I don't think it's an Italian car manufacturer. I think it's an Italian company that produces motors or maybe it's a design car house or whatever. They're not saying what, what what it is. Most probably it's a design house. Mm. And then, you know, you, you buy the motor from X, you buy the battery from Y, and then you put it together with parts from A, B, C, D, E. It's not difficult to do because electric cars are very simple and Purdue can do it. they got the huge manufacturing base. they got credible engineers. they got everything ready for them. But it'll take time to do this. Mm. And during that time, our currency is not going to go up. And if our currency doesn't go up, what other incentives can you give the riot to buy an electric car? If I'm currently driving a 90,000 ringgit Honda City, I want to move up to electric car. i got to take out an extra 30,000, 40,000. Mm. Now, people in that Earning capacity. That extra money, maybe installment-wise, is only like two, three hundred bucks a month. That's a lot of money. Mm. That's that's my my, my grocery bill. Mm. You know, that's my house, electric, water, and quit yeah, yeah, yeah. rent. Yeah. So until that that other two, you know, brands are able to sell so at lower stuck. price. Yes, mm. we are Cheryl? stuck.
2: Well, I'd like to take a step back a little bit and just think about the fact that our incentives started in twenty twenty two. We tripled the sales of BEV in twenty twenty three. And it's set to grow even more. So I would give Miti and the government an A uh, in their report card for the incentives that are already given for passenger vehicles. Now, do we want it to grow even more? Yes. But, so this, here's the but, is that it must the growth must be managed well so that it doesn't outstrip the growth of the infrastructure. Mm ultimately, if we look at the adoption rates at other countries that have done this a number of years before Malaysia, um, if the EV adoption races ahead of infrastructure adoption, you'll end up with a situation where you have very unhappy users. You have very uh, difficult situations where people are stuck in the winter and so on and so forth. Um, So, I think that the pace but of But we don't growth, have winter here. Well, that's an example. Winter of discontent maybe. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay, it's just an example. <laughs> example, right? I understand. Right. Yes. So, we have Banjay here. Ah, banjir, yes. Right? So, so the point here is that the growth of both which are symbiotic in mm, nature mm. must be managed well and right now the Key weakness of our growth is again the EV charging infrastructure. So in terms of whether there's anything more the government can do to accelerate, I think Daniel covered it quite well. The fact that we must be able to sell EVs that are already available globally for less than a hundred thousand ringgit. We must be able to create a better competitive market by making more data available in terms of brands that are being sold. Singapore can publish sales data or registration data by brand every month mm. so that we can monitor closely so what brands are successful what models are successful what are not successful so that the market can react accordingly yeah so yeah. data transparency will help mm.
1: what about public uh, uh, par- uh partnership let's talk about partnerships daniel
0: i think i think uh, partnership has been great uh until now, because you, you see Jintari moving very fast. Ahead. Yeah. The government has pushed Jintari yeah. to start doing it. Not fast enough, but fast. They're still doing it Because why? Every, every big EV brand launch, not car, brand launch. Jantari is invited. Mm. Jantari is there. Yeah. The whole team, they're saying, yes, we're going to have charging stations and everything else. Uh, they talked about Klantan and Terengganu also. They talked about Sabah and Sarawak. They talked about very remote areas. They, they talked. Ta- exactly. I was going to come to that. <laughs> they talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Right. But the doing is a little bit slow. What, what
1: is holding them back then?
0: I think it's cost because right. all this costs a lot of money. You know, you have to call a contractor to come and dress yeah, the ground. Yeah, infrastructure's not cheap. Yes. So, you know, and then you got to get the place, you've got to get, you know, the land allocation, everything. Everything takes time. And we know that there's a lot of red tape and, and, and problems in our country, mm. which will slowly be solved, hopefully. But until that happens, this is one of the problems it's having. Now, meanwhile, the car brands that have sold EVs initially, BMW, Mercedes, they have put up a lot of charging stations. I think they've done a great job. Because why? They helped to to ensure the adoption was easier. What is it? it Porsche as well? We're putting exactly. up ones
1: up into Thailand, was it? Exactly, and right. they
0: did a demo on it. Yeah. And then you have Saim with Kinetic. They're doing it also because they're selling EVs. They've got uh, Jaguar EV, they've got BYD. Yeah. And then you got new Chinese brands coming in. Mm. Now, the new Chinese brands coming in, especially this year, they're going to be very, very aggressive in Q1. We're talking about MG, we're talking about the the Aura 7 seven.
1: We're talking about uh, it. Breaks my heart new- when you call MG a Chinese brand. <laughs> you <know>.
0: Maurice Garage once <laughs> an iconic British brand. <laughs> yes. Richard,
1: is from Britain and he's
0: upset. Okay, anyway, so you got all these, <laughs> you got all these brands coming in. Now, I'm I'm wondering, like Cherry, the, the, the Omoda Five, mm. the Omoda Five EV, are they going to put up
1: charging stations like BMW? It would be in their interest to do that, surely. Yes, yeah, right. but
0: the problem is, I think. They are more interested in selling right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. They are more interested in delivering cars. BYD seems to be the only uh, Chinese brand right now that's putting up charging stations because they are with Saim And right. Saim Dabi yes. has Kinetic. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. Saim is working hard to deploy Kinetic yeah. in all their, their areas. But the other brands, when I talk to them about charging, they nod their head and say yes, but I don't see the physical charger coming up in any showroom. Mm-hmm. Now, before you sell the car, Every showroom should have at least one. Now, if you've got 20 dealers around the country of one brand, another 20 dealers of another brand, another 20 dealers of another brand, you already got 60 charging stations. Which means when you go into a small town, you can go into the station and charge, and then let people pay. It's okay, but you're actually encouraging people to own EVs. Mm-hmm. And then when they say now brand A walks into brand drives into brand B to charge, he might say, "Hey, I made a mistake. I should have bought brand B." It's a nice way to sell another car, you know. Yeah. So I don't see this happening, and I'm hoping. Because I've already alerted them to listen to my show. I hope I'm hoping that <laughs> they will immediately deploy because why right, these companies have got the financial might to deploy charging stations very, very fast. And it's on their grounds in the showrooms. Yeah. It's just like when Pakema said, I'm gonna put a thousand station up when they were selling gray Teslas, they put up what, seven, eight, nine, ten? A whole bunch of it in the dealerships. Yeah, but in the dealerships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they didn't do a thousand. Yeah. Now they claim they're gonna do a thousand. You see, everybody likes to give this number a thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand. Yeah. It's because nice to It sounds nice. It sounds nice. Yeah. It sounds nice. It's like me saying, Oh, I'm I'm gonna do a thousand, you know, push-ups th- tomorrow. Then I end up doing three. Mm. You know? Don't say big numbers. Just say I'm gonna do 450, right. 330, yep. 580. three hundred and thirty, five hundred and eighty. Let's be practical about this. Mm. Not mm. throw figures. So when the government says I'm going to have 10,000 stations by this date, let's not say 10,000, let's say 500. Mm. Let's say 420.
1: Can we come around to, to consumers, Cheryl? I mean, obviously, okay. you know, you're the, the guy with, behind the owners club. You know, Do you think consumers still have a hesitation now about buying electric vehicles? And if they do, what, what do you think that hesitation is?
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, as, as we move from the early adopters, the more adventurous ah. uh, people with more than one car in the household. Yeah. so So the risk is less for them to 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 go into a battery electric vehicle um, they are less concerned especially if they have a home charging point about public charging But as that group is has already bought their EVs and you go into the more mass uncles and aunties so they worry about, where to charge They mm. worry about Oh kalabalik balik kampung mm. You know When I go back on holidays Or holiday season Oh highway charges There are only 29 locations So they are hesitating Because of this perception Even though The caveat is That a lot of the EVs That are sold in Malaysia today Don't really need To recharge on the highway True True. Right. So, so you go from KL to Ipoh. You go to Ipoh. You can charge in Ipoh. KL to Kuantan. You can charge in Kuantan, unless, of course, you're like Daniel and you go 200 kmh all the time. So, <laughs>
1: really? a- allegedly, yeah. allegedly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
2: there are cameras on the highway, Daniel. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so. A lot of times on the public uh, social media platform, you have people who are curious and they're like, oh, oh, but then I will need to charge. All of us who've used EVs for years, we say, no, 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 I can drive from KL to JB without even stopping. Your bladder is weaker than your battery. Yes. Right? And so, but then, oh, but what if I want to drive 200? I and mean, mm-hmm. you are in trouble with the cops as and then you have to recharge, obviously. correct. So the hesitation is around this perception that, oh, there's not enough public charging stations, even though they don't really need them. Right, right, right. Okay. Mm. Let's take another short break. Um,
1: when okay. we come back... Um, uh, touch a little bit on government policy, right? And then uh, maybe some, uh, the sustainable side of things and, and global trends, how we how we are uh, in Malaysia compared to what's happening elsewhere outside of Malaysia. Folks, do stick with us, of course. This is Enterprise Explorers. It's the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. Of course, we are talking about uh, electric vehicles uh, and we're talking about the challenges in scaling up the infrastructure, the role of government policy, uh, potential infrastructure, Impact of public private partnerships and of course how we can accelerate the adoption of electric vehicles. We'll be right back after these messages here on BFM 89.9. Breakfast for Masters, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury. Welcome back to the all new Enterprise Explores. It's the show where we help you navigate the ever changing universe of business from the headlines down to the bottom line. We're exploring the current state of EVs in Malaysia, the challenges in scaling up that infrastructure, a whole bunch of other stuff. If you have any thoughts or questions, get us on our U Mobile WhatsApp number on 018 789 There's about 20 minutes left of the show. Of course, I'm in the studio with Daniel Fernandez, uh, the founder of DSF.my, and Cheryl Halmi, the president of the Malaysian Electric Vehicle Owners Club. Uh, both of them have stuck around. I haven't managed to scare them off just yet. Uh, but I think, uh, Cheryl, I want to uh, talk to you a little bit first about uh, zooming in on policy a little bit. And we've kind of touched around yeah. it and skirted around a little bit. What changes do you think or, or enhancements in policy do you think are crucial, I guess, to accelerate EV adoption in the coming years? And I think Daniel had a, a few Points earlier right. about um, two local players who are involved, sure. that perhaps policy around what they represent yep. might need changing.
2: Yeah. So I think taking a, a step back, look back at 2023, where we started out in January with around 900 charges. Um, we ended the year with about 1,500. So we increased about 600. And some of the experiences of those guys point towards red tape. Daniel pointed that out. Um, the fragmented authorities, you need to talk to local authorities. You have uh, the fire department. You have uh, the electricity supply. And interestingly, if you need additional electricity supply, they need to lay cables and you need to have the permission from the land owners to lay the cables. And you need to have, again, local permission. So it's like repeated red tape bureaucracies. And I think when you take a step back and look at how other countries have done it, um, how do you solve the issue of multiple layers of fragmented authorities? Mm. You have one stop centers, right? You have one authoritative figure or a committee that will be able to solve the problem. Now, other countries have also gone to the extent of making new charging facilities compulsory for new construction for new buildings and I think that this is an awesome idea because the cost is much less yeah right so you lay out the cables you design for it and you don't uh, have to retrofit certain things and you you also allocate power upfront the other one is a right to charge law. Um, where some people uh, have problems in terms of convincing their landlords or their management committees to allow them to install due to sometimes valid fears about risk, valid fears about electricity supply. But all these can be worked Fire out. Also? Fire, risk. Uh, but that's all these things Right, can be resolved technically if you don't say no up front. So a right, right to charge right. means that, okay, look, uh, the government says to you that you cannot say no outright you must give us good reasons why you don't think this is good. And this is uh, in practice in a lot of cities in the US, in Norway, the whole country, UK especially. So it gives residents who are often voiceless in a way um, to have the government in their corner backing them when they say, okay, I need charging stations. I need 10 or 10% uh, of the car parks be equipped as such. Mm. Daniel? Okay, mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to get a bit dirty here. Okay.
0: <laughs> now,
1: the best time starts don't get us kicked okay, off America, The best okay? policy
0: Just starts with the government, I think. Right. You know, everybody looks at the government as their hero, you know? Yeah. So, if you see ministers driving electric cars, it makes a lot of sense. If you see government officials driving electric cars. If you see the town council driving electric cars. Now, why don't they convert to EV? Right? I'm not talking about new cars. If they've got old cars, yeah. when it's time to when it's time to buy a new car, buy a new EV. You know, and then get rid of, now this is a, this is the tricky part, get yeah. rid of Spanko's monopoly. Now, Spanko is the, the, the person, the company, who has been supplying government vehicles all this while. So, they're like a leasing company. So, the government goes to them whenever they want to buy a new vehicle. Now, when you go to Spanko, Spanko will say, oh, not yet EV, not yet EV. Now, the thing is, there's already a markup. They're already making money. Now, all these cars come with a five-year warranty today. That's right. Whether you're buying a plug-in hybrid or a hybrid or an electric car or whatever, they all come with minimum five-year warranty. Mm. So, why do you need Spanco? And I keep saying it, S-P-A-N-C-O. Why do you need them? Go straight to the manufacturer and say, okay, like say now you want to buy a BYD. Go straight to BYD and say, okay, listen, I want 20 electric cars from my government department. Can you look after them? They'll say yes. Can you do a one-to-one replacement? They will not say no. Mm. They will look after you because why? They want to encourage their cars on the road. Okay. Now, if you go again to like say uh, Vesta, who's selling the Maxis uh, van, you know the Mifa, okay, tell them okay. Now we want all our ministers to be using this van. Can you do a one-to-one exchange if there's a problem? Sure. Then you get more electric car adoption. And then on top of that, please get rid of all the old trucks on the road. You talk about emissions before you start forcing people to buy electric cars. I'm not using. I'm using the word forcing. You know, yeah, yeah, I with, get with some restriction. Yeah, yeah, Before yeah. you say people need to buy electric cars, get rid of all the smoky vehicles. Mm. Why are you still allowing secondhand recon trucks coming to the country? Why are you allowing 30, 40-year-old lorry hantus in construction mm. sites? I know they're not on the road, but in the construction site, they're blowing black smoke all the way. Mm. Yeah. And you see even public buses in certain areas. Yeah. Black smoke. Yeah, yeah. You know, even in urban areas. I live in PJ. You know, the buses are getting old. Why are you not adopting electric vehicles for this consumption? Mm. Why, are you, why are you saying the riot has to buy all this? You know? So let's go there. And then if you start talking to all this, you know, you talk to Scania, Volvo, they all have electric buses. Yep. They are ready to deploy them. They even have electric trucks. So if you want to have, okay, not everybody can afford an electric truck. For, for
1: haulage. But you can get clean diesel trucks. So, to sum summarize what you're just saying, mm-hmm. there, lead by example, yep, right. convert public transportation to electric yes. vehicles. And transport
0: logistics companies right. stop using old second-end smoky black smoke
1: trucks. Okay. Uh, we've got six minutes left. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to take a short break here again. We're going to come back with uh, a final summary. Uh, somebody sent in a WhatsApp message as well. Here it is uh, number ending 9768. So far, EVs are just like hype. How successful can it be? Just see how LPG gas for vehicles in the past. All right, we'll come back to some stuff when we come back after these messages. Don't go anywhere, folks. You tune into Enterprise Explores here on BFM 89.9. Brand Friendly Marketeers, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, V business station. Welcome back to uh, Enterprise Explores. My name is Rich Bradbury. Of course, we are talking about uh, electric vehicles, uh, why it's difficult uh, f- to get infrastructure, the role of government policy, uh, the potential impact of public-private pri- uh, partnerships. Um, we've got a few minutes left. I've got about six minutes left. And I, and I guess uh, for you to. This is a question that I wanted to, uh, I've i saved to the end of the show in particular because, obviously, it's that question where we need to kind of look ahead and find out where we could go as as a country, what we need to do. In t- we've touched on policy, but when you look at the road ahead, what do you think are, are the key milestones you hope to see for electric vehicles uh, over the next decade? Let, let's start with you, Cheryl, first.
2: Well, I think number one, the most important thing is data transparency. We need the data in terms of vehicle registration by fuel, ideally by month, if not by quarter, not lagging by year, so that then everybody, including the users, the industry, the investors, the OEMs, can see how the industry is progressing. Data transparency in terms of the charging network, the definitions, charging bay, charging stalls, charging connectors, um, charging systems, um, Put it out there so that, for example, the dashboard is out there uh, by KPKT uh, called My EV Net. This morning, I checked. It says 2020 total charges. And I looked at one or two examples. The Paradigm More one, for example, is not online. And yet, it is stated to be online there. So, that data uh, consistency uh, needs to be there. It's a good start. But while you have that data, that means that, again, OEMs, industry, investors, and users can make good decisions Mm. based on whether the charges are where they work, the charges are where they want to travel, whether they want to buy an EV now or buy an EV maybe later. So data transparency, these are two very simple examples that can be done with a snap of a finger. So moving forward, we really hope that the authorities take this seriously enough to publish to start publishing the data, and ideally, then the next step would be like, "Oh, what's the median price of a D segment EV? What's the median price of a C segment EV?" Right, so then right. people can make again educated choices instead of saying, "Oh my God, EV so expensive, I cannot afford it." Mm-hmm.
1: Daniel,
0: right now. Um I see a lot of people who want to buy an EV. When they talk to me, they want to buy an EV. Especially people above 40 plus. Because mm. why are they thinking, oh, my last car, my retirement car. Or, you know, when they're 50 plus, oh, I can get my EPF money and buy a car. And then I don't have to worry. These are the same people who used to buy what I call safe cars. Toyota Camry, Honda Accord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, these kind of cars. Not, not luxury cars, but, mm. you know, nice little cars. Mm. Now, Something that will last. Yeah, something will last. I'd say, okay, next 10, 15 years, and after that, I'm in a wheelchair. But the problem with them right now is, their worry is, if, after the eight-year warranty, if I need to change, if I need to change the battery, what's the battery cost? Now, no car manufacturer will give you the battery cost simply because... It scares people. We already have seen the battery cost of plug-in hybrids, and it's scary. Now, it's not just the battery. To me, I think these batteries will last 15, 16, 17, 18 years. No problem. We have seen mile hybrids last 9, 10 years, and the replacement cost is all below Mm -hmm. Mm 10,000. But when it comes to electric car, the battery, of course, is going to be much more expensive. The next problem is none of these batteries will be able... They're not compatible. You see, as new battery technology comes out, you Mm. can't take, like say, okay, you're driving a 10-year-old electric car right now. Your battery fails tomorrow for some bad reason, knock on wood, okay? You can't go and get a new battery, the new generation battery, and plunk it in. Mm. Because why? It doesn't doesn't work. Mm. It's like taking a Samsung battery and trying to put it into an Apple phone. It doesn't work. So this is the next problem. And then, will the old battery still be manufactured? Yeah. Because a lot of people are starting to read a lot of sources coming in out of North America because they've been playing with electric cars earlier. Yeah. That this is a throwaway culture. That like, electric car is a yeah. throwaway culture. It's because they assume batteries are throwaway and. You, you
1: yes. Can read, yeah.
0: And this is bad news for Malaysians because Malaysians, again, I say this, you heard it here first, our currency <laughs> doesn't allow us to be a throwaway culture for cars. Mm. Yeah. For, for maybe handphones, yeah. but you're, you're paying a nine-year installment or a seven-year installment. And then after that, you say, "Hey, i got to throw away the car. Yeah. That is why today, electric cars, a few electric cars that are coming to the market, the resale value is really low. Yep. On top of that, when you call them up, immediately
2: they're willing to bargain even lower price. Although, ha, let me interject that for a second mm. though because this is actually in my mind, I've, I've been thinking about this having been owning an EV, an, an old EV for a while. Right. There is a is tremendous, it because you can't sell it? <laughs> no, no. <right>. There's a <laughs> tremendous opportunity for third-party battery replacements, right? Yes, yes, yes. So, the opportunity is there and right now, the the, the barriers are mostly because uh, the, the actual software and the tools are restricted by the OEMs. They're not mm. going to let just anybody access right right so Tesla has their toolbox you know the VW group has their own specific set of software so the Europeans and some states in the US have made this um, uh, possible third party repairs by making it uh, into a right to repair Mm. law right so so they force the OEMs to after maybe about five year old cars then you need to open up Open okay. source. The, okay. the, the So, then third parties can come in. So, one good example is that uh, we just heard of an old Nissan Leaf that had a new battery pack, double its original size being installed at UMP Kuantan, al Oh, this is great news. Yes. So, the battery pack actually was bought on Alibaba. Okay. It came from China. The BMS needed to be tweaked. So, so there's a starting to be, because there's a need, right? So okay. the private sector is responding. The market is responding. Now, the key thing is what can the government do okay. to nurture this part? Okay. Can I ask you how much did it cost to change the battery? Uh, currently, I think they bought the battery at about 30, 40 KRM
0: Right. So you see, 30, 40k might not sound like a lot, but it's a cash purchase. Yeah. So yeah. That's the problem with our currency problem.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, I have to wrap up today's show. Gentlemen, thank you very much. It's been a very, very interesting discussion. Uh, we've had uh, a message here on WhatsApp, of course. Uh, this is from Yusuf. He says, just to acknowledge a brilliant discussion on EVs uh, today, uh, excellent, knowledgeable guests and he's learned a lot. Well done. Uh, thank you very much again, gentlemen, for coming on the show. I'll have you back when we have a further discussion about this, uh, of course, a little bit li- later down the line. Yes, I'll be free tomorrow. Uh, free tomorrow? <laughs> <of course. laughs> Always Cheryl, Free, okay, brilliant. Uh, folks, of course, I've been." Speaking speaking with Daniel Fernandez, founder of DSF.my, and Cheryl Halmy, president of the Malaysian Electric Vehicle Owners Club. If you did miss any part of this conversation, you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. You can also find our shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and other podcast players. Just search for Enterprise Explores. On behalf of my two guests and myself, I'll be back same time, same place tomorrow. No, no. I won't be back tomorrow I'll be back on Friday of course tomorrow's a holiday I'll speak to you on Friday here on BFM 89.9
0: You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 The Business Station For more stories of the same kind download the BFM app